here with you tonight. It is wonderful to be together as the body of Christ in community together. It's because we're relational creatures. We were created in the image of God from our relational God. So it is so wonderful to be here in relationship with you. And I think that's why we seek out relationships and we mourn their loss. Relationships are really important to us. It's why in many cases we yearn for relationships. So today as we explore our passage, we're going to look at what it means to deeply know someone by exploring how Paul knew Christ and why this specific type of knowledge is essential to building a deep community. So if you have your Bibles, let's open them to Philippians 3, and we'll start with verses 1 through 6. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone thinks that he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews as to the law, a Pharisee as to zeal, a persecutor of the church as to righteousness under the law, blameless. And see, Paul begins this portion listing out his qualifications. He's basically giving us his resume. And this may not seem particularly relevant in a discussion tonight about relationships, but it is. He lays out in verses 4 through 6 his qualifications, his impressive bona fides. He's the Jew's Jew, the Pharisee's Pharisee. He's blameless under the law. And he's providing these credentials because he's establishing credibility in a discussion that he's having around Jewish law and salvation. But there's also another reason for this. These listed qualifications are going to play into how Paul really knows Christ. But here's the spoiler alert to Paul's resume. If if we get to verse 7, it says, Whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. This is something I deeply understand now. Because for so long in my life, I chased all of the wrong things, and I was actually really defined by them. I loved building my worldly resume. I was deeply focused on a relationship with myself and my works. I grew up here in Colorado. I had great parents. I went to an Episcopal church. I was an acolyte. I was active in youth groups. But I wasn't in faith. If you had asked me, I probably would have told you I was a Christian. But I didn't have saving faith in Jesus. And in high school, my dad died, and I was dealing with some things that I felt were very hypocritical in the church, and so I left the church. I felt that the church had failed me. But I knew that I still believed in God. So in college, I converted to Judaism. I thought, this is great. I don't have to believe in original sin. I don't have to deal with hypocritical Christians. All that I have to do is follow these 613 commandments. Jokes aside, Judaism was truthfully incredibly rich for me. It was, it was a, a rich, liturgical, religious experience for me. But it was exhausting. I was doing everything that I could to try to be the perfect Jew living under the law. It's like a spiritual hamster wheel, where I was thinking earlier today, it's like a spiritual Peloton bike. You run, you run, you run, you pedal, you pedal, you pedal, but then you get off and you're in the exact same place that you started. It's spiritually exhausting. But, it, but, 
But it, was, it, it wasn't just that part of my life that was totally exhausting for me. Not only was I trying to be the best Jew that I could be and then failing and then trying again the next day and then failing, but I was also trying to be the best me that I could be for me. I was trying to grow my, my worldly resume and my worldly accolades. It was all about me, my accomplishments, my nest egg, my career, my works. At one point in my office at home, I had a big I love me wall. I don't know if you're familiar with what an I love me wall is, but it's a wall where you put all the stuff about how great you are on it, so your awards and your plaques and your memberships. I had this wall, and I could stare at it from my desk to see how much I loved myself, how misguided. But thankfully, in 2015, the Lord started calling me home. And in 2016, I accepted Jesus' call upon my heart, and I came to faith in Christ. My whole world changed. And then it changed more in 2017 because I felt called to seminary for no other reason than I knew that that was where I was supposed to go. And it was kind of funny. You do these icebreakers at the beginning of class. I'm sure you guys remember this from work or for school. You go around the room and you, you say your name and you say a semi-interesting fact about yourself that you think semi-interesting. And then you tell people why you're there. So it's, you know, hi, I'm Frank, and I'm a church planter, and I'm so-and-so, and I'm a, a counselor, and I'd be like, hi, I'm Craig, and I'm a pilot, and I love Jesus. And they're like, well, what are you going to do for ministry? I was like, I have no idea. I just know that I need to be here in this place. And throughout my seminary journey, my, my career, my flying career was skyrocketing. I was flying bigger airplanes. I was traveling the world. I was working for some of the most well-known and wealthiest people in the world. I was rubbing shoulders with all kinds of famous people. Go to Italy for a few days, and then end up in a, a beach in southern France for a few days. I was eating incredible meals. I was making a ton of money. I was literally living the dream. I had a great career, I had a cool title, and I got a really neat uniform out of it as well. But I was, during all of this time, I was talking this really good game about Jesus. I was studying scripture. I was active in my education. I was leading a men's ministry back here. I had faith in Christ, but I didn't really know Christ. And in December of 2019, thank God, God totally changed and transformed my knowledge of Christ. And he brought me into deep relationship with himself. I was in this place called Ushuaia. It's the farthest southern tip of South America. It's as far as you can go without falling off the world to get to Antarctica. It's how you get to Antarctica. It's the entrance to the Drake Passage. They call it Tierra de Fuego, the city at the end of the world. And I had, I had a breakdown, like a legitimate breakdown, and it was not pretty, but it was where God was, was carving and, and turning my heart so that I could deeply know him. Because you see that the problem that I encountered in December was that God was showing me how backwards my priorities were. I was spending time boasting about my accomplishments and what I had done and what, what I was doing or what I wanted to do. Do you hear the word there? I, 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 I. Instead of focusing on what God had done for me. What God wanted to do through me. I was being defined by the things that I had done. I was being defined by my resume and all those things on that I love me wall. I was in relationship with myself. I had made work and money and status and prestige all my idols. All while claiming to be a follower of Christ. I was defined by what I was doing instead of who I actually was. And it was in that space, in that place, at the end of the world, that I deeply understood what Paul says in verse 7. By whatever gain I had... I count as a loss for the sake of Christ. So I came home and I quit my job. 
and I turn my life over to the Lord and his will for me. And I, I understood so deeply what Paul was saying, that none of my, my work is, as a Jew, as a businessman, as a pilot, that none of those things could actually save me, that it could only come through faith in Christ, through truly and deeply knowing Christ. And what, what Paul's going to do in the next verse is he's going to provide us the why, that everything that he had worked so hard for was actually a loss. He says in verse 8, Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Why can Paul say that everything is a loss, that he suffered the loss of all things and he even counts them as rubbish? It's because he knows the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. What he's telling us is that knowing Christ surpasses all things. It surpasses our resumes and our jobs and our bank accounts. Anything earthly status that we have, knowing him surpasses that. And see, Paul's making this big statement because of his credentials. He's writing this letter from prison. And this is not Martha Stewart minimum security prison. This is first century Roman prison. He could have easily escaped this whole portion of his life and just stayed a Pharisee and a Hebrew of Hebrews living the good life. But it's through Christ that Paul realizes that that's actually not life. It's spiritual emptiness. It's it's a life without meaning because it lacks deep relationship with God. And it's through his knowledge of Christ that he he thusly right-sizes his accomplishments and his credentials. And it's through that knowledge of Christ that Paul realizes that the only way he can gain anything is by viewing all of those other things in the right order and at the right size. It was the same for me. God used my time in South America and the very beginning of 2020 when I came home to right-size me to show me that all of those things that I had chased, all of those things that I had put so much trust in, were actually ultimately worthless without real knowledge of Jesus, who he was, and his headship over my life and of over all things. But it really begs a big question, doesn't it? What is the knowledge of Christ that Paul speaks of, and why is it so important? And why is it important for us here? Jesse just said when he was giving the announcements that part of the reason we want to do small groups at CTK is because we care about deep community. So what do these words that Paul is sharing have to do with us here trying to build deep community? The Greek verb that he uses, gnosis, that Paul uses for knowledge, it actually means more than intellectual knowledge. It means experiential knowledge. It means personally knowing someone. It's about really knowing someone, deeply knowing someone. Fact is, we all know a lot of people. We probably all know a lot of people in this room. We meet people and we say, oh, hey, do you know so-and-so? Oh, yeah, I know them. And you may even have their number in your phone. But do you actually really know them? And see, this is how I treated my relationship with Jesus at first. I knew him intellectually. I could even quote things that he said. I could recount parables. I could talk to you about his journey. I could discuss the Bible with you. I knew him, but I didn't really know him. I mean, I was a seminary-educated man, so of course I knew him, but I didn't. What I didn't know him is I didn't know him personally, experientially, the the, the type of knowledge that Paul is talking about. Verses 10 and 11, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul is looking to really know 
Christ. To, to know him and know the power of his resurrection. He doesn't want to intellectually hear about it. He doesn't want to know facts about it. He wants to feel it. He wants it in his heart, deep inside his heart. He wants that intimate knowledge of Jesus. He wants to know him so that he can become him in his death, so that way he can attain the resurrection of the dead. Paul wants to deeply know Christ. He knows that everything in his life depends on him deeply knowing Christ. See, I, I too was yearning for that same thing. And maybe you're in that place here where you intellectually know Jesus, but you are yearning to know him deeper, experientially, personally. The good news is that Paul's going to tell us how, we get to know, how he gets to know Christ that way, thus how we can know Christ that way, and then how we can share in that together as a church body here as the body of Christ to deeply be in community with one another. Verse 10 again, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. See, the key to Paul's deep knowledge of Christ comes through the sharing of his sufferings. The the Greek word for share here is koinonia, which is where we get the word fellowship from. So if we wanted to literally translate this verse, we could say it is to fellowship in his sufferings. Paul is saying that to really understand and to really know Christ, we have to have fellowship in his sufferings. Wow, that's a, that's a big thing, right? Especially here in 2022 when we're kind of in this social media-fueled world where people are constantly posting their best lives or what they want their best lives to look like so everybody else will think that's their best life. But the problem with that is that's not real relationship. A superficial relationship. That's an empty relationship. Because to deeply know somebody, we share not only in their joys, but we have to share in their sufferings as well. There's this story. It's called Go Out and Joy. It's, it's a moving story of a woman named Nina Herman. She was a chaplain at a children's hospital. And because of what she had seen, she wrestled with the things that many of us have wrestled with. How is God good when there's, where there's all these children that are sick and dying? And we've probably all been in this place before, and Nina was no exception. And one evening, Nina gets this phone call from a family who she'd cared for multiple times, and they requested her presence at the hospital. It was cold, and she was warm at home, and she truthfully wasn't particularly motivated to go, because all of the other times that she'd gone to visit this family, it was a false alarm. However, she gets up, and she makes the trek to the hospital, and Thank God, the child was okay. But Nina proceeded to spend time with the mother, and she listens as the mother was sharing her suffering. And it was at that moment, in that conversation, that Nina really got it, that it really all clicked together for her. She understood the cross, and she understood Christ's suffering in a real and personal way. And she writes of that discovery. She said, I had read about God and Jesus Christ participating in the human experience participating in suffering, knowing rejection, knowing aloneness and pain and fear, knowing anger, even anger at God. I had read it, but it had never been a revelation until now. Reading about these problems is vital, but alone it is not enough, she said. Meditation on the written word is good, but alone it is not enough. She says, do when you don't want to do, go when you don't want to go, plod through the snow, wrestle with the cold, Go when you don't want to go. And when you least expect it, you may glimpse through an open door a revelation. You see, family, the the, the reality is that sharing in our deep suffering requires deep vulnerability. It requires trust. It requires investment. And it requires most certainly more than intellectual knowledge. 
requires the heart. It requires going when you don't want to go, plodding through the snow when you'd rather stay home. These are the things that build deep community. If we are called to care for one another as a church family, as brothers and sisters in Christ, then we have to actually know each other. We must, like, like Paul had in his knowledge of Christ, share in the fellowship of each other's sufferings. And of course, that doesn't mean that we don't get to share in the joys as well. We can share in the joys and the status quos and the sufferings. We're, we, we get to get share in that whole big picture. But what it really means is not holding back. It means we must approach our relationships with a desire for depth and vulnerability. This means an investment. It means fellowship. It means koinonia. When Paul deeply understood this, when he really knew about Christ's sufferings to the point that he was sharing them, only then did he really know his creator. And this is what happened to me in December of 2019 and launched me into this incredibly unsuspected call into ministry. When I began to share in the the fellowships of Christ's sufferings, all of my priorities were turned on their head. They changed. I understood why Paul could call all of those things rubbish, not because they didn't hold any real value, because it's a matter of where they are in our priority list. It was the same for me. The, the things in my life that I have placed my value in, work and money and status, were actually just rubbish. Really knowing Christ is what changed my life. My life became about a relationship with him above everything else. See, this is the model that I pray for us here at CTK is, as we continue to grow and worship together and be a church body together. This is one of koinonia, deep fellowship deep community, knowing each other's loves and our losses and everything in between. Propping each other up and holding each other accountable. See, it's through this approach that we actually get to rejoice together in whatever season life brings us. We are united in koinonia. We are united in a fellowship with one another through the sufferings of Christ. And it's actually how we get to fulfill the commandment in the gospel that we read today. John 13, 35, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. See, to have this agape love for one another, we must deeply know each other. We must have koinonia with one another. And it's through this fellowship, through this koinonia, this deep community, that we strengthen each other, we support each other, in order to live a Christ-filled life. As Christians, our life is a whole missions field, but we can only do it with the fellowship of deep community. Would you pray with me?